to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. Ready to talk about some must-win matchups for the 49ers on defense. Because in come the Detroit Lions, and with them comes a triad of just really, really good football players. Yes, they have more than just the three guys you know, that I see right away that are going to be influences on how the 49ers plan to prepare and approach playing the Lions, led by Ben Johnson. Of course, Amon Ross St. Brown gets a lot of attention. Number 14 has been one of the best wide receivers this year, and he earned all-pro honors, and for good reason. He can create separation. He uses physicality uh, to create some of that separation. He's a good route runner. He's very smart. He understands where he's supposed to sit down, what uh, coverage he's looking at. The guy can do it after the catch as well. So he's a very talented football player. Then you look at the tight end position, and you got Sam Laporta. And Sam Laporta, even though he's a rookie, he understands those same things. He knows how to uh, go ahead and redirect people, get in and out of his break pretty quickly to create separation, whether that's against a linebacker, safety, or even at times, cornerbacks. He can use his big body to shield and be physical at the point of attack. He's good at catching the football, and he's been a nice safety blanket for Jared Goff this season. He has the ability at any time to make some big-time plays for the Detroit Lions offense. And then you look at the rushing attack, and they've got Montgomery and Gibbs. And Gibbs has been uh, very dynamic during the playoffs. We started to see a lot of that speed been getting to the outside and creating explosives out there. But also, just like last week, right up the middle against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, the defense overcommits. They lose their gap integrity. Next thing you know, Gibbs is one-on-one with the safety. And that's not where you want to be. He made a miss, and he was able to get to the end zone for a touchdown. But Gibbs also provides the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. That's going to put Fred Warner and Trey Greenlaw on high alert, especially Trey Greenlaw. He's normally the one that is tasked with handling running backs out of the backfield. So the 49ers absolutely have their hands full. Because besides of the players I just named, they have talented guys that can step up at a moment's notice and make a play. Whether that's Jamison Williams stretching the field vertically and getting down the field who could put some stress on us maybe against Ambry Thomas, or if they're going to go over to Josh Reynolds. Reynolds had himself a heck of a game against his former team in the wild card round, the Los Angeles Rams. He was the offense early on in that game. It was run game, and it was Reynolds. And Jared Goff looked really comfortable hitting him in stride. And why not? They were teammates before when they were in Los Angeles. So you have a chemistry between them. Now, Reynolds is not going to be the main focal point to stop, and Jamison Williams is not going to be the main focal point, but they are a supporting cast that can help this football team win. So while you're focusing on the players that you have to stop, you have to make sure you're doing your jobs in the other areas too. Please like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. I'm on that push for 5K. Listening on audio platform, 40 yards cutback on Believe, more people listening than ever. I appreciate it. And if you're going to bet, bet with Bet Online. It's playoff time, and the road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. 
Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines, with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. And for the 49ers defense, the game is likely going to start with the run game. Uh, but I'm going to save that for another day because these are must-win matchups uh, in a different category. When it comes to the run game, I'm going to be talking that on the game preview show. Uh, just a, a disclaimer, that's what I'm going to get into pretty deep because that's going to be a main focus. But in this one, I want to talk about the other areas around that are not the run game. And of course, anytime that you have players uh, that you have to get slowed down, it's got to start with the one that looks like he's the most dangerous, and that is Amon Ra St. Brown. How do you slow down Amon Ross and Brown? I think that's been a question mark that many teams have been trying to figure out this season. What is that magic formula? Well, the Los Angeles Rams were able to slow him down during the first half of the wildcard round, but then they weren't able to stop anyone else, and Detroit was absolutely going up and down the field against them. So in the second half, they made adjustments. They put less priority on stopping Amon Ross St. Brown. He made plays. But the Detroit Lions offense definitely slowed down production and scored down as far as scoring points. So they really didn't have the personnel to be able to go up and take away Amon Ross St. Brown with one guy. They didn't have that. They were putting a killer Witherspoon on him. And whether Amon Ross was being physical to create separation or absolutely just shaking him off the line of scrimmage with some great release moves, Amon Ross was a real problem for a killer Witherspoon and for the matchup with the Los Angeles Rams secondary. The 49ers are in a little bit of a different situation because they have an all-pro cornerback out there in Mooney Ward. Charverius Ward has been so good this season. He's been consistent. He's been physical. He leads the league in pass breakups, and he has five interceptions on the season. That has been a big difference from last year when he couldn't get those interceptions to hold. He's had other ones this year that could have been interceptions. I mean, he legit could have had a double-digit interception season. He's gotten really good at being a ball hawk later on in the year. But what Charverius Ward does is he leaves the 49ers an option for him to be able to go wherever you see Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, following Amon Ross St. Brown is not the easiest of tasks. Ben Johnson likes to move him around. He likes him tight to the formation. He likes him out wide. He likes him in motion, whether that's exit motion heading towards the sideline or going across the formation. And the 49ers, primarily, just like every other NFL team in this league, prefers to run zone coverage. In fact, the 49ers are better in zone coverage than men. So manning up Charverius Ward on Amon Ross St. Brown doesn't make a lot of sense. But moving Charverius Ward to where Amon Ra is does make sense. Because even when you're in zone coverage, whether you're running a cover three or you're running quarters, Oh, it's got a lot of man principles, especially on vertical routes down the field. So the 49ers need to make sure that they don't allow Amon Ross St. Brown to beat them while not having to allocate too many resources his way. The way the Rams couldn't do that, the 49ers can. So Amon Ross St. Brown lines up 50% outside and 50% in the slot. So he is well balanced in how they use him. So it's a pretty much an even split between the two. So the question mark is, do you have Charverius Ward go inside and play Amon Ra when he's there? Or do you leave it to Diameter Lenore? Diameter Lenore, passer rating against him, is 18.9% in the playoffs. 
Yamuna Lenore has been an absolute beast for two seasons in the playoffs. I think that the 49ers like a matchup of Amon Ross St. Brown versus Yamuna Lenore. I think they don't mind that because of the physicality in which Yamuna Lenore plays with. The only one you don't really want that matchup in this game is Ambry Thomas versus Amon Ra. Because of the physicality, Amon Ra St. Brown will create separation. Plus, Amon Ra's ability to get in and out of breaks makes him a prime example of how to run double moves. I worry about Ambry Thomas getting caught trying to jump on a route with Amon Ra stopping and then breaking up the field for a big play. So I think the 49ers will use in tandem Charvarius Ward and Diamond Lenore. When the 49ers are in their base 4-3, there's no worries. Amon Ra will line up over Yamato Lenore or Charvarius Ward. In those situations, I don't think Charvarius Ward will move sides to be with Amon Ra. But if they're in nickel, I think he does. I think when they go to their sub package, Yamato Lenore moves to the nickel. If Amon Ra's there, he covers him. If Amon Ra St. Brown is on the outside, Charvarius Ward will be in front of him. Whether he's on the right side of the offense or the left side of the offense. It's the best way to go. And I think the 49ers know that this is a job they must take care of. You're not going to stop Amon Ross St. Brown. He's going to have some clutch catches. But what you have to do is limit the effectiveness of those catches. Let nothing get vertical. Let nothing get caught where he's going to have separation and be able to create after the catch. Be physical with your tackling. Be physical with your coverage. When you play physical receivers, match their physicality. Most of the time, when you have a physical receiver, referees understand there's going to be pushing and pulling, and you can normally get away with playing more physical than you would. Of course, you can't push, you can't pull, you can't grab. Those are going to be penalties. But if you want to get physical, if you want to hit him, if you want to shoulder check him, if you want to grab a wrist from time to time, you can do that and get away with it. So I think this is going to be an interesting matchup. I'm very curious to see how Steve Wilkes does it. Does he just go, hey, you know what, Charverius, you go wherever St. Brown goes. And you got to look at the other side. Ben Johnson has to know this is coming. He has to know the 49ers are going to go with this sort of method. How does he try to manipulate the 49ers' defense and move Amon Ross St. Brown around? Where does Steve Wilkes check out of something and just allow Amon Ra to go? Imagine you're in the nickel package and Amon Ra is in the slot. And Yamato Lenore's lined over him, and you're okay with that. And he goes in motion. Does Yamato Lenore go all the way to the other side? And if that receiver goes outside of the outside receiver, and Amaran goes all the way outside, does Ambry cover him? Or does Yamato Lenore go out there and take over that role? I know the defense that we ran, we would have switched. Uh, Yamato Lenore would have taken care of it. Ambry Thomas would have taken the inside receiver in that situation, only because we like the matchup. But I don't know if Steve Wilkes is going to do that. But I think Ben Johnson is going to test the waters and see what he can find out. Because his ultimate goal is to get Amon Ross St. Brown in good situations. Number one, lined up on Ambry Thomas. That is a win. Number two, lined up over a 49ers free safety, either Logan Ryan or Jair Brown. Or in some cases, even in zone coverage, if 49ers are in a base set, getting them lined up over a linebacker. Those are the kind of things he's looking for for St. Brown. 49ers are going to try to limit that by using Charverius Ward and Diameter Lenore. And I'm curious what kind of safe uh, calls and things that Steve Wilkes builds in, some checks, so that way he can adjust to what they're doing with Amon Ross St. Brown. I think it's going to be one of the most compelling matchups in this football game. And if you're an X's and O nerd, this is one to watch. 
the 49ers slow down Amon Ross St. Brown, they could slow down that passing game of Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. The problem is, while you're focusing with Diameter Lenore and Tarverius Ward on hindering the effectiveness of Amon Ross St. Brown, you also have safeties and linebackers that have to worry about tight end Sam Laporta. A must-win matchup is just limiting the effectiveness of Laporta. Laporta goes for four catches for 40 yards. You live with it. But you have to make sure he doesn't have one of these big games, eight, nine catches over 100 yards uh, through the air and able to convert big key third downs. So how do you do that? You have to make sure it's a concerted effort. Eyes are on him. When you see him, you flow towards him. Remember, when you're in zone coverage, you are not carting grass. You are covering a player. So as somebody comes into your zone, be free to flow towards them. Make sure Jared Goff feels uncomfortable throwing that football in zone coverage. 49ers are going to run 70% zone coverage in this game. It's the smartest way to go. So what they have to do is just make sure they keep eyes on him. Make sure you get the proper depth in your drops in the zone coverage. Make sure when Laporta enters, you check him. Make sure you go with him. Just make sure you consistently are on him. And it's going to go a lot on what Deshaun Gibson can do. So 49ers on third and long or even third and short sometimes will go man coverage. And it's on Deshaun Gibson to make sure he stops Laporta. You would normally think you got Logan Ryan there, and he was a cornerback in this league. He should have the best coverage ability at the safety position. But we haven't seen that yet. We've seen him sometimes in the slot handle that against the Los Angeles Rams. He did come up and handle uh, some tight ends and even some wide receivers at times. But I don't know if the 49ers want to put him in that situation. So it'll probably fall on Gibson, who uh, did so good this year. Pat Fryermuth, he took care of. Uh, that was a big-time game. Darren Waller, he did a really good job. Um, he consistently has played good against tight ends. The one tight end that gave the 49ers fits was TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson had a really good game against the 49ers. Kirk Cousins was able to get the ball to him in space. That is the one. Well, guess what? Laporta is a lot like TJ Hawkinson. Uh, they both come from Iowa. That's a similarity. I don't think that's the basis for this, though. Uh, but they have the ability to get in and out of their breaks. They run good routes. They create separation. They're tough covers for linebackers because of speed. Uh, they're tough covers be with safeties because of strength. And they can just run good routes against nickel corners, if that's the question. And what Ben Johnson does is he lines them up all over the field. Sometimes he'll be lined up out wide. What do you do there if you're in zone coverage? Ambry Thomas covering him out in the flat. I think Ambry actually matches up well with Laporta minus the physicality, but you've got question marks about how you play this. Do you move Ambry in and go ahead and put Gibson outside or put Logan Ryan outside or Jair Brown in man coverage? Uh, that's a question mark. So I think it's an interesting matchup. While you've got all the movement going on, which are various warded Demo on St. Brown, you've got some decisions to make as well with what you do with Laporta. Because the 49ers know the plan is to limit the effectiveness of Laporta and St. Brown and make Reynolds and make Jamison Williams defeat them. If you make them be the ones that have to make the big plays in the passing game, you have to feel like your role players can get it done. You have to feel like Ambry Thomas can hold up against that second receiver. And that is my next matchup that the 49ers must win. Ambry Thomas must win against that other receiver. Whether that's Reynolds, whether that's Williams, it doesn't matter. He has to hold up. 
he has to keep his technique. He has to make sure he doesn't give up big explosives. He doesn't. He needs to make sure he doesn't give away easy throws underneath, and he needs to make sure he doesn't lock on and get big pass interference calls. Those just can't happen. And Ambry Thomas last week, he lost his technique. He lost the way that he plays corner, and it was really clear. In his comments this week, he just said, hey, I hadn't had the reps. It was really tough for me out there. And, of course, he's alluding to the fact he missed practice with a broken hand. And that's all well and good. But you have to make sure you're playing your job. That play against Bo Melton, he talked about the fact he's normally on top of that play. And if he was on top, he would have an interception. That's correct. But you weren't on top. And the reason you weren't on top is because your technique wasn't sound. Embry Thomas has got a full week of practice to make sure he gets his technique sound. Now, Steve Wilkes, when he talked about Ambry, seemed like he felt very comfortable and very confident in Ambry Thomas's abilities to step up this week and make big plays against Detroit. But we've just talked about all these guys that are focused on players. How are you going to give help to Ambry Thomas? You know, I've been talking to different people this week, uh, whether it was on air or off air, and they've been telling me we have to make sure we give safety help to Ambry Thomas. And that's all well and good. We've got focus on St. Brown. we got to focus on Laporta. And now we have to give safety help to uh, Ambry Thomas. That, that puts you in a frustrating situation. Because you know what else one of those safeties has to do? They have to help in the run game. Because those Detroit Lions have a really successful run game. Montgomery running the ball up the middle with physicality. Detroit running ISO scheme, gap scheme. Uh, with him being physical at the point of attack using pulling pulling linemen to create holes. And you need a safety sometimes to step in there and take away one of those gaps. San Francisco 49ers run a single gap system on defense. A lot of times, a nickel corner or a safety have to account for one of those gaps that's open and available. Sometimes an offense can create more gaps than you have players in the box to be able to hold up against. So, it's all well and good to say, yeah, we need to give Ambry Thomas help. But the truth is, Ambry Thomas is going to have to stand on his own two feet sometimes in this game. You can give him help occasionally, especially on third and long. I love that for the 49ers being able to help Ambry Thomas and then play soft covers and tackle underneath. But a lot of the times, he's just going to have to be out there, and he's just going to have to make plays. This is the bed you're in. Now you lie in it. You had a young player in Ambry Thomas. You've been trying to develop him. You tried to bring in some key veterans at cornerback. But when you look at the situation now, you've got two really good cornerbacks in Charverius Ward and Diameter Lenore. You've got a guy in Ambry Thomas who shows flashes. Well, it's flashes no more. It's sink or swim time for Ambry Thomas. If he goes out there and he competes and he does it, not only will the 49ers be very successful in this football game, their defense will slow down the Detroit Lions offense. But... Ambry Thomas will change the opinion of the way people are looking at him. He will start to uh, get a command of what he's doing. He'll get some um, confidence, and then I think people around the league will look at him differently, like, hey, maybe maybe Ambry Thomas can be a number two corner in this league. Maybe he can step up and be into the starting lineup for the San Francisco 49ers in the short term, but maybe other teams will start looking at him as potentially being somebody that they count in the future. Getting to the point now where these guys have to make big-time plays in the biggest of moments. And guess what? The whole world is watching every single play you make. So, yeah, this is sink or swim time for Ambry Thomas. And I think Ambry Thomas has the ability to step up 
I like the matchups that are going to be in this game for the second wide receiver that he's going to be going against. Not a huge fan against him and St. Brown against him uh, versus St. Brown, but I do like him against Williams and Reynolds. I think they'll have catches against him because Jamison Williams has a lot of speed, and Reynolds is a very savvy veteran. He understands how to get to his spot and what he's supposed to do within this scheme. So I think this is going to be a fun one uh, for Ambry Thomas. I'm hoping he makes some big plays. And I got a lot more to say about him when we get into the game preview show. That's going to be coming up later this week. I hope you guys will join me for the game preview show. But we also got an interesting matchup on the defensive line because Eric Armstead is going to be going against a backup for the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are not going to have Jonah Jackson. He hasn't practiced all week. And the report is he's not going to play in this game. Now, Frank Ragnow, the center, hasn't been practicing, but the belief is that he's going to play against the 49ers. Sprained ankle, sprained knee, he's going to go out there and tough it out. But what we're going to have is a really interesting matchup on the inside. We're going to have Eric Armstead versus Coyote Awusika. Uh, I hope I said his name right. If I didn't, my apologies, but Coyote Awusika uh, is going to be filling in at right guard for you know, the injured guard of the Detroit Lions and Jonah Jackson. So this is going to be one of those interesting ones because Armstead is normally an absolute savage when it comes to the playoffs. He gets in there and he makes a lot of plays. And he was putting pressure last week. In fact, he spent the most time closest to Jordan Love of any of the defensive linemen. Well, it's been well documented now. You've seen video breakdowns. You've heard me talk about it. Now Kyle Shanahan has talked about it in his press conference. It was max protect all day for LaFleur. They were leaving seven, eight guys in there to take away the 49ers defensive line and just allowing two or three receivers to go downfield and try to get open. At times it worked. A lot of that because 49ers defensive players slipped down. Others because they just executed well in their route schemes. But you're going to have a situation this week where Detroit Lions are pretty comfortable with their offensive line. I don't know how much Ben Johnson's going to feel like he needs to keep seven guys in to protect Jared Goff. And if he does, do they have enough in the back end? You know, if they're sending two, three guys out in routes against the 49ers seven that they're dropping, you got to think the 49ers should be able to have success on kind of squeezing those down, suffocating those routes, and making plays. But Armstead versus Awusika is going to be good because uh, Armstead has got all the ability in the world as far as pass rush. Uh, he's quick. He's got a really good arm over move. He's very physical, so he can drive you back. And this is just a matchup that I love, a veteran that plays the best in the playoffs against a young cat looking to prove how good he is. But I think this could be advantage. And with Ragnow being injured and him having to have focus on helping out potentially on Armstead, does that mean the Gravedigger is going to go one-on-one? And if that's the case, then it's advantage there. So I like this matchup for the 49ers. I like a matchup that looks at Eric Armstead potentially getting some one-on-ones. And if he's not getting them, then it's the gravedigger, uh, Javon Hargrave, getting those one-on-ones. I think this could be a big determining factor on how successful the 49ers are. Because if you can get interior pressure from this defensive line up into Jared Goff's face, you're going to have more success. Plus, you have to stop this run game. You have to make sure you slow them down and not allow them to have big plays in the run game. Gashing runs cannot happen. So having a weakness, and even if it's a very minor weakness, he's a pretty good player, but even just a subtle weakness could be the advantage the 49ers need. 
because those 49ers interior defensive linemen need to be able to rush the passer, but they also need to be able to take on double teams and slow down this Detroit Lions running game. If the running game doesn't get going, the play-action game get, doesn't get going. And if that doesn't get going, then you can turn to Jared Goff and make some things happen. And that's my next matchup is going to be pressuring Jared Goff. This is something to just, it has to happen. This is a must-win matchup for the 49ers. It might be Armstead, it might be Bosa, but you have to generate pressure. And I'm looking at Steve Wilkes and I'm saying, look, you don't think you can generate pressure with four, you better bring five. And if you don't think you can pressure with five, you better bring six. Make sure Jared Goff feels uncomfortable. He is a very different quarterback when he starts getting pressure. All you have to do is turn on the film of the wild card round against the Los Angeles Rams. When the Rams dialed up blitz and got anywhere close to him, he was not as accurate. He started making bad throws. He started taking sacks. But when he feels comfortable in the pocket, he's so much better. This will make it very clear. Jared Goff in a clean pocket is a 76% completion percentage with an 8.2 yards per attempt, 27 touchdowns to three interceptions. You don't pressure Jared Goff. You leave him a clean pocket. He's going to pick you apart. This guy has seen coverage. He understands coverage. He knows what teams want to do against him, and he's willing to take what the defense gives him. He will check it down a thousand times if he has to, but he's willing to make those big intermediate throws over the middle. He's willing to go vertical down the field if that's what's presented to him. So Jared Goff is a complete quarterback as far as where he wants to attack a defense. He'll go anywhere with the ball, and he's really good when he doesn't have pressure. Now, Jared Goff under pressure, 51.4 completion percentage with a 6.3 yards per attempt, six touchdowns to nine interceptions. He's thrown 12 interceptions in the entire season, and nine of them come when he is under pressure. And, of course, pressure is one of those key things Anytime, right? Quarterbacks are just not as good under pressure. But it is a steep hill and a steep fall-off for Goff compared to other quarterbacks. Matthew Stafford, when he was pressured in the wildcard round, went 11 of 15 for 165 yards and a touchdown. That's a far cry from what you see from Goff. Goff was under pressure the 10th highest rate this season. 49ers pass rush has to disrupt Goff into mistakes. And so this is where I think Steve Wilkes needs to dial up some blitzes. This is some time you have to show pressure. You have to make Goff feel the pressure, even pre-snap. Because I think sometimes when you go with uh, the fire zone blitzes and you bail and you leave, you have guys drop off that maybe he's not expecting, it throws him off a little bit. Generate pressure, generate opportunities to get after Jared Goff. You always want to be able to get home with four, right? That's the goal every single time. But sometimes it's just about shaking someone up, hitting someone in their own head. Nick Bosa said in his presser that you want to be sticky, take away reads one and two, and then get after him. That's how you get it done. You get pressure, and he's not as good. What do I say every single week on the on the game preview show? Take away reads one and two, disguise coverage, and then get pressure on the quarterback. Because if you take away reads one and two with sticky coverage, it gives the defensive line time to get home. But this week I'm saying... Steve Wilkes, blitz. Go get him. We need some D'Amico Ryan's caliber blitzes that come out of nowhere and absolutely light Jared Goff up. We need Dre. We need Fred. Uh, we need a safety coming down. We need Diamond Lenore coming off the nickel. It is time to put pressure on Goff all day long. 
make him feel it. So I think this is going to be one of those games where the 49ers do bring pressure consistently, all the while having to worry about Amon Ross St. Brown, Laporta, and Jameer Gibbs. And of course, I'm going to talk a lot about Jameer Gibbs uh, in the in the run game episode when I talk about uh, the game preview show. That's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you guys will all join me for that later on this week. The game preview show is going to be fun. Uh, that's when I go through the key matchups for the game, not just matchups you must win, but the key matchups that you you need to win in this game. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun doing that. Plus, I give wow, that's bold predictions, and I have a couple uh, that from watching film that are going to probably shock some people. But wow, that's bold predictions. And then I'll give my game prediction, who I think is going to win and what the score is going to be. I hope you guys will join me for that. Please like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. I'm on the push for 5K, pretty close to 100 away. So you could be the reason why I get over the hump and get there. And if you're listening on audio platform, 40 yards cut back on Believe, I appreciate you so much. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. I'll catch you guys all in the next one. Until then, stay safe. I remember the right way is always the 49ers way. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.